0: Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Playoff places up for grabs and rankings for draft picks to be secured. Every team has something to play for going into week 16 of the season. My name is Cameron Hobbs.
1: And my name is Paul Mitchell. We'll have a quick look back at week 15 before previewing week 16, which includes a Saturday night triple header.
0: Our weekly awards are up for grabs as ever. Antonio Brown still isn't playing in the NFL, but seems to make an effort every single week to win our Bob Bag Award. And he's been at it again.
1: We'll have our belter and bowing details to share with you all your nominations. Plus, I've got a podcast series to recommend and sell to you. It's a must-listen over Christmas and New Year.
0: Also this week, we'll ask, is it all over for Philip Rivers in LA as Eli takes a bow in New York? And Jameis Winston continues to torment Tampa Bay fans with his version of, should I stay or should I go? Right, Paul, let's kick things off then, as we always do, by looking back at week 15. And there was a couple of things um, obviously confirmed. The first thing, and we'll go back to Thursday Night Football, Jameis... Um, Jameis, not at all. We'll come to Jameis. Lamar Jackson, 1,103 rushing yards this season. That is a single-season record for a quarterback.
1: Yeah, I've got to tip your cap to him. He was fantastic. It was a fairly of a game, but it got people watching just to watch Lamar Jackson. And I think there, you talk about stars and how stars are made. That's a national game, not much interest given the fact that the Jets relatively suck, although they are only five and nine. But the Ravens are in the national conversation, now 12-2. and two, But Lamar Jackson is must-see TV, and he didn't disappoint again.
0: No, and it, it was brilliant. Against, yeah, not much off position, like you say, but still did what needed to do. Uh, and that's the Ravens, obviously, very much in the postseason and got to be one of the favorites. I think they actually, by the bookies, are the favorite. But the thing that they've secured, as well as postseason action, is surely Lamar Jackson's the MVP. There's nobody else now in the conversation.
1: I think the the decision is over. McCaffrey's certainly gone down, had high hopes for him as the running back. Drew Brees is putting up some great numbers, but whereas last year I did have a problem with Lamar Jackson being rated ahead of Drew Brees, no problem this year. Uh, Lamar Jackson is the MVP.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks clinched their playoff berth. Um, uh, another lackluster performance from the Panthers, who somehow managed to keep this close. Uh, I, and Russell Wilson's had an absolutely brilliant season, but it just doesn't compare with the the, the things that uh, Jackson's doing in Baltimore. But the Seahawks will obviously be in the postseason and find themselves at the top of the division, the 49ers are into the postseason. But fell foul off that Jekyll and Hyde Atlanta Falcons team this year. Uh, a disappointing <laughs> one, though. A disappointing one, I have to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you compare and contrast, let's just finish off the Seahawks for a minute. Seahawks are great protecting a lead. They are 56-0 and since 2012 when leading by at least four points at halftime. You do not come back on the Seahawks very easily, that's for sure. Now, everybody's allowed a bad game. Was that San Francisco's bad game? You know, you can't come in and beat the Saints and then lose to the Falcons at home. That, to me, is a no-no. And I think that's that's knocked the stock. You know, every everybody was going on about, yeah, Jimmy G, that was his statement. When, well, you've got to put teams like the Falcons away if you want to try and get home advantage and get seeded. I could see why you were pretty disappointed with the way that one finished.
0: Yeah, and it just was... I think that the, the Niners were, ne- were never they've lost this year it's been by narrow margins and it's been late in the game I think it I think all um all three defeats have come from last minute plays I'm sure um and ultimately Julio Jones with the go-ahead touchdown with two seconds left on the clock great game management by the Falcons not particularly good game management from the 49ers a disappointing one but these are the sorts of results through the season that give you the opportunity to take stock and perhaps figure out what's not working. It's better to happen now and still secure that postseason place than for it to happen in the first game of the postseason. So, do you know what? Uh, a wake up call. Two more games of the regular season to figure it out. Still got to try and win this division. Still in our own hands. That final game against the Seahawks now is absolutely huge. Up against the Rams this weekend. You know, it's two divisional games to finish things off. um, And the Rams coming into it on a sore one themselves. So an opportunity to beat them and put the, you you know, very much in our hands. uh, Having to play Seattle. But that's a tough game uh, against Seattle right at the end to finish it all off. So... Um, there's no panicking just yet, but yeah, disappointing. Um, are
1: we are we seeing a strange season? Is it just me or are teams? I know every year, Cameron, team, teams have bad bad results, but I can't remember us having so many fluctuating teams. You know the Cowboys. You know we've talked about them. You know in in our old award terms as being honking, they were terrific against the Rams. I mean, they manhandled the Rams. Now, that's their most points in a game in almost five years. Yeah. And I find that quite hard, given the fact they've got, you know, Dak and Ezekiel Elliott. That that I found really, really strange. So ah, there's just teams that are just going the up and down and up and down. And, and there's so many of them. I mean, the Cardinals pretty much manhandled the Browns. Now, I know the Browns suck to a certain extent, but the Cardinals, you know, have still got nine losses. That was only their third win. Uh, Eagles struggled against the Redskins. They only led particularly late. we got the Texans getting things back together again, but then the Titans disappointed you by not beating the Texans. The Bills beat the Steelers, so that's two out of the last three years the Bills have been to the playoffs. They've still got a chance at the division. What the hell was the Steelers quarterback doing? (laughs) <laughs> four interceptions I was listening to the game um, as you know I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of radio uh, when I'm not sleeping through the night you know I'll put on the you know gotta find the old um, illegal stream and all that kind of thing but I just couldn't believe what I was hearing because in, in our pick six competition I'd gone with the Steelers and Jamie just got lucky again yeah. That the Bills managed to hold out on that one, but I think you've you've overlooked the big story of the week. But I'll forgive you. Miami losing in the Meadowlands and back-to-back weeks. Yeah, (laughs) I thought I thought you would have led with that because it's just such a highlight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I actually completely forgot that had even happened. To be perfectly honest, (laughs) do you know what it was? And we're we're going to come on to it with the Eli Manning thing, so we'll we'll park it for a little bit. I thought the big things that stuck out for me was I thought it showed a lot of character for the Texans to get a win. Eight out of eleven games versus the Titans of the Bill O'Brien era that they've won. You know, the Texans have the number over what somebody described to me as a history stealing Tennessee team. obviously taking the previous uh, Houston um, Incarnate and taking them up the road. So there's obviously a little bit of rivalry there. I thought that Sanders had an absolute game, okay, albeit against the Redskins, but I think 1,120 scrimmage yards a season, which is an Eagles rookie record. He's really starting to get into his groove. The fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars are the last team to ever win in Oakland, that's got to be something. And four straight games that the Raiders have lost they were 6-4 and they're now 6-8 and so
1: why have they suddenly
0: started stinking up the place
1: well I can tell you I can tell you you've come to the right place I think it's all a ploy for the people of Oakland to stay in love throughout the early part of the season with the Raiders leaving you wanted to win and they did so and they just enticed them in and enticed them in and kept them going gave them a little bit of false hope if they'd won you know, against the Jaguars, they were 7-7, seven and seven, so it was false hope. But the fact they've lost four straight, they're going to Las Vegas, might just make it a little bit easier to go. I think that's a horrible loss. I think we'll talk about it in the ball bag section. Uh, Davis's comments, well, we've moved before. I don't think we'll go down pretty well with absolutely anybody. But then the Jags, again, frustratingly annoying, winning on the road. An East Coast team winning on the West Coast. It it's frustrating for me but yeah the Raiders I thought should have done a better job of seeing that game out the
0: Chargers massively disappointing seven giveaways the most that they've had in any game since week 15 in 1998 that was an ugly performance and we touched on it at the top we will talk about Philip Rivers so we'll skip over that one for now we got to give credit to Drew Brees. 541 career pass touchdowns, most in NFL history. And as someone pointed out on Twitter that we'll come to, he does like breaking records on a Monday night.
1: He certainly does. Well, he loves playing on a Monday night because it means he doesn't have to watch the game on TV. So I think that's always a good thing. Now, what was more Saints this season than Drew Brees stepping back, throwing the pass, getting the record and a phantom pass interference call? Killed it. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, it wasn't even close to pass interference. It did make me laugh. Now, somebody last week did have a little go at us. I'm sure tongue-in-cheek saying, why are you ranting about the referees? Well, part of it is there's no point in just being uh, vanilla about this. You may as well say what you think. and That's what we're (laughs) trying to do. Uh, You certainly do. (laughs) I do. I do. You know, that was so funny. And I think, you know, if, if Drew Brees ever went on the after-dinner circuit, I'm sure that's one of the stories he would tell. You know, the fact that his record-tying touchdown actually got pulled back for a pass interference goal that didn't exist. Uh, that was so Saints. Just while we're on the Saints, I listened to the game on the Saints radio network. And I remember saying to you last year that Zach Streif, who'd basically gone from playing from the Saints, straight to the booth to become the play-by-play man. And I said, look, you know, Bad decision. Let's see how he does, you know, when he's got a lot of games under the belt. And I have to say, listening to him again, he's still bad. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's awful. I mean, that's a dreadful decision. He might make, he might have made a better colour guy and then bring him into play-by-play once he gets the rhythm of the broadcast. He called, you know, the, the second touchdown, the record-breaking touchdown, uh, when it actually counted... You could tell some of the lines were scripted. Now, broadcasters do that. You know, you do have, but you've got to make it sound like you're delivering them as if you're thinking of them. And to me, the actual call just lacked panache. And I'm sure Jim Henderson, who was his predecessor, certainly would have nailed it an awful lot better. I think it's the old story. You want a broadcaster to be your play-by-play man. Zach Strieff is doesn't fall into that category. It's actually it's one of the worst radio booths that I've heard.
0: Uh, speaking about bad commentary and they do get a lot of attention on this one but uh, I did enjoy the graphic that was doing the circles uh, on social media this morning of Booger McFarlane uh, clearly just drawing basically cock and bollocks uh, (laughs) on the screen which I thought was, uh, you know he's done that and just not, either he's done it intentionally because he's now just trolling us or he hasn't realised and he's just completely unaware of what he's doing Um, it's one or the other, I think I know which one it is um, I won't commit to anything here. Let's give him a bit of benefit of the doubt. Let's just say he knew what he was doing. He was giving us all a cheap laugh.
1: And he just, yeah, he just doesn't care. Also, I, w- I would like to give a good shout. Dave Romero of the BS and Beer podcast did tweet this, and he says, I know it was meant in a funny way. He says, and I actually thought they delivered it well, but ESPN did say, you know, I think Breeze was 20 of 21 at the time. They said, you know, when we come back, we'll break down the, the past that he failed to, to make, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> you know, all credit to them. That, that to me is funny. Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh, now, I think what we'll do from here is we'll go straight into looking at our, uh, nomination awards this week because there's a few things to talk about here. And I think that it leads on very nicely to some of the conversations that we'll have afterwards. So let's kick off here then. Uh, First up was Chris Breen. He got in touch touch to say his belter was Drew Brees. His Bowfin was the LA Rams and his ball bag was Josh Gordon. Now, I'm going to stop right away Because Josh Gordon obviously has had a number of nominations for this one. uh, But there is two schools of thought with this. Uh, Obviously, an indefinite ban for further um, drug infringements, basically. Um,
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Now, there's a lot of people have given him the ball bag award, which I think absolutely, you know, he's had so many chances and he keeps doing it. So absolutely, in that sense, what a ball bag. But at the same time, the guy clearly has a problem. He clearly has an addiction and he's not clearly getting the help that he needs to get through this. So for Josh Gordon, above all else, do you know what? His career in the NFL might very well be over. And it's a shame because he actually made some very decent plays um, for the, the Seahawks this weekend. And I thought, oh, there's Josh Gordon back. Um, but ultimately, I just hope he gets the help that he needs. And I think there's a few people saying that, you know. Um, it's uh, Addiction's a horrible thing that ruins lives. Um, I don't want us to mock that, I don't want us to make light of that because it clearly now is at a point where this has happened too frequently and too often for it to be anything other than a major problem uh, and ultimately you got to hope that he just can sort himself out
1: Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair I, I had him on my ball bag list for the same reasons as everybody else, but I also take exactly what you say and part of me does feel heart sorry for him, you know, but he is getting all the help and support and second chances that you could ever want. So that suggests to me that it is, it's a definite illness. Yes. I don't think it's a choice as far as he's concerned. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit later on in the podcast about how you look after NFL players, and we'll talk about that um, because there's something quite fascinating going on there. I, think it's, I fully understand why people nominate that because yep. you get all the help and support in the world, more than probably anybody else has got and you just keep on doing it, that suggests that there, there's something else behind it. And I, I do feel for the guy. I really do. But, you know, I think the NFL have to move on from him.
0: Yes, definitely. And I think this is the point here. You know, I, I completely agree. I totally understand why he's up for the Ball back Award this week, because, do you know what, really, this guy has had so many chances, and he's getting to do something so many people want to do. So, there, you know, there is a lack of sympathy to someone in that situation it isn't like he's got um, uh, the sort of poor poverty based background that is so commonly associated with a lot of addiction um, but we start to get into social things here so i don't i don't blame anybody for nominating him i i just want to make sure that we're not we're not just pointing and laughing here you know he's he clearly has screwed up again i'm not sure he'll get another chance What he needs to do now is go and focus on himself and get his head right and get himself off the stuff, break the habit, and just stay away from it. So, anyway, with that, we'll move on. Uh, Ian got in touch. His belter is Drew Brees for breaking the touchdown pass record. His baufin is the 49ers' underwhelming performance against the Falcons. Can't disagree with that one. Um, So... Yeah, Belter from Matt McLaughlin has to be Drew Brees. Obviously, a lot of nominations there. His bowfin is the Lions being honking yet again. A couple of of people nominating Booger. So Scott Gibb. And you uh, and Distaqua have uh, both commented on Booger can helping himself with his cock and bollocks that we've touched on. No, we did not touch on Booger's cock and bollocks. Hang on, I need to clarify that. <laughs>
1: there, there was oh, no oh, touch. I'll, I'll go right the fresh The NFL no. Scotland podcast would like to clarify for anybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> the camera has no intentions or ha- in the future or in the past yes okay off you go right okay you know what i mean turn a phrase
0: um we mentioned the graphic that burger drew that's what we're talking about okay right move on maybe next drew Brees. any other answer this week is simply incorrect Balfin for him is the Denver D. Couldn't even contain the Chiefs in the snow. It's a valid point, actually. The Chiefs managed to do pretty decent in the snow. Uh, Ball bag for him is Tyler Boyd. Thinking he'd won the matchup versus Gilmore. Gilmore had as many catches, 50 more yards, a touchdown, and he wasn't even the intended target. Um... So, Lon Callahan, he has said he's going to kick off his awards and defer. Smiley face. Belter for him. (laughs) (laughs) Belter for him is Drew Brees. Love how he always breaks records on a Monday night. I mentioned that it was him. Boufin for him was Marquez Valdez Scantling. Five yards past the entire Bears defense, and you drop an easy touchdown. No catches the whole game. A Scottish Steelers fan he says Belters Drew Brees as well for another outstanding achievement Baufin is Steelers OC Randy Fickner for calling so many shotgun plays hopeless Goddamn Americans and their shotguns <laughs>
1: there's <is> another <laughs> social
0: commentary <laughs> uh, his ball bag is Janoris Jenkins for true ball behaviour absolutely Janoris Jenkins obviously booted out for engaging negatively in uh, fan chat and sticking to people the, the, no players ever got away with that. They need to learn from that nonsense. Uh, George, exactly. Yeah, George Jackson. Um, he also says Drew Brees. Also a shout out to Michael Thomas. They could be the best pairing in the NFL right now. Boughn is the Raiders. All the Raiders. If I'm missing ball bag, it basically just means uh, that. It says Josh Gordon. Um, Polly, he says belter is Drew Brees, the touchdown machine. Miles Sanders, the running machine. And some guy named Jameis Winston, the what am I going to get this week machine. Uh, got to give some love when it's due. Baufin goes to the Browns losing again. And then Patriots Nation UK pod got in touch to say their belter of the week was Joe Mixon. Baufin was the Browns. Freddie Kitchens is a clown. A clown who says that he doesn't care whether he's career is going to be with the Browns or not which is an interesting take and back for him uh, Derek Henry score a touchdown for my coupon so, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting Dalvin Cook in that for getting injured and absolutely screwing my fantasy team Um, I don't know if we tu- I can't remember if we touched on this or not I'm putting myself in the Baufin performance I had three fantasy teams in semifinals this week I lost all
1: three I lost all three all three disgusting well, I, that, to be fair I only had two But I won both. Oh, honestly, (laughs) honestly.
0: So uh, one of them I didn't expect to win. Uh, One of them I thought I had a chance and one of them I was like, oh, I could do quite well here. Um, And the one that I thought I'd do best in, I had four players have their season worst record, including the LA Rams, who rocked up with a minus four uh, defensive special teams performance. Uh, Melvin Gordon spent most of the game with a minus score. And Dalvin Cook went out injured. Mary Cooper was dis- just disappointing. Oh, honestly, uh, I had a really good team. <laughs> they just did turn up. I have a Week 15 curse, but that's for another podcast. See, so
1: I, I, I think you're sounding like Jeremy Corbyn. You won the moral argument, is what you're trying to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, right, so your Belter of the Week then. Is it anyone other than Drew Brees?
1: It can't be anybody nah. other than Drew Brees, because... He's fantastic. Uh, Baufan, actually, I'm going with the Steelers yeah. and uh, the, the nomination we got, because if you keep doing what you're doing, the chances are you're going to keep getting what you're getting. And they kept doing what they were doing, and they kept getting what they were getting, which was bloody interceptions. Yeah. Stop it. Horrible, horrible play calling. Now, Bob bag. now, we talked about Antonio Brown. So this week, he decided to tweet to say that his card been stolen, by his girlfriend who's now riding around in the stolen car with his kids and he keeps tweeting people to come and help track down his bentley the hollywood police won't even report it as stolen because they basically they've had enough of antonio brown so even though he's not in the league anymore he's still causing chaos and yep. headlines it's unbelievable and the reason he's a ball bag, is there are many teams at the moment could do with a wide receiver because of injuries. And if he was fit and healthy, you might take a punt on him for three or four weeks to try and get you over the line. He is a complete and utter ball bag.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, You're completely right. Uh, And he just continually, it's this continuous rotation um, of basically coming out and apologising, saying that he's sorry, trying to be positive, having a bit of chat, and then it degenerates into a farce again. And then it's just nonsense. And there's someone who set up the Antonio Brown tweet translator It basically takes his tweets and translates them to explain what he's actually saying. <laughs> it's, it's actually a very handy tool because there's a lot of time I'm like, what's it? I don't actually know. What he's... And then you just check the translation. It's like, right, okay, I know what he's saying. It's nonsense. Um, so, yeah, my thought has to go to the Chargers. I just think that was just so inept uh, against a good Vikings team. But, you know, they didn't have Dalvin Cook uh, for a lot of that game. And the Chargers just limp. Absolutely limp. Um, Now now we're we're coming
1: back to Booger McFarlane, aren't we? (laughs) But they've chucked it. They've just chucked it.
0: So really, really poor. Uh, The Browns. Um, And my ball bag actually goes to Jarvis Landry. If stories are true and he's been shouting over to the Cardinals touchline to come and get him, and apparently he wasn't the only player doing it, if that's true, and I don't know if it's true or not, then for me, Jarvis Landry's bag of the Week.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it's true, I mean, has he not heard of uh, WhatsApp? Yeah. or DM on Twitter. Yeah. Th- there's more subtle ways of actually saying that you'd like to go and play for the other team rather than shout across a football field. Okay. So if he has done it, yeah, he's a definite definite ball back. But that leads us nicely into, you know, three of the storylines that I wanted to talk to you about. And I want to get your take. And basically, I want your idea whether it's going to happen or not. Okay. Simple as that. So, Philip Rivers. Now, we, you talked about the Chargers. I mean... He had three interceptions and a fumble. Now, he did have 307 passing yards as well. But they've lost four of the last five, and he's been intercepted 11 times. He's 38 years old. He's a free agent. He's had 16 years in the NFL. Now, the Chargers, if they keep going down, and this is what you mentioned at the top of the program, it's all about where now you finish. Do the Chargers look to draft a new quarterback? So that's the question from that point of view. Do the Chargers... Take a different route. Rivers goes, and there's a new man under centre in LA next season. So, if this is...
0: Do I think it should happen? I think it probably is time to move on from him. Do I think that it will happen? I don't think it will happen until Philip Rivers decides he's going to retire. I don't think the the Chargers will go down the route of a... um, Eli Manning situation and I think part of the reason for that is because of the move that they're trying to make and they're still trying to get themselves embedded into the LA fan base and the LA community and I think Philip Rivers and the name Philip Rivers goes a long way towards that I think he gets a certain level of forgiveness uh he gets a certain amount of Uh, space, uh, an opportunity to make the stake because of the name, because of the reputation, because he is somebody that they can hang their season ticket sales on, even if he's not at his very best. And I think that because they're not far enough down in the rankings to potentially get a really top, top quarterback, then I think they stick with them again.
1: If OK, good, they make good a, one.
0: If they make a big move and see if yep. they move up the rankings and see if they say to the Bengals, actually, Bengals, we'll take, a, we'll take your number one pick off you, which they're going to get, um, and they go and trade up for someone, maybe. But I think with the position, with the placement, with the situation, I don't think it's time yet that they move on from Philip
1: Rivers. OK, I'm going to ask you the second question. Just one comment from me. What would you think if he you know, he was potentially, because he's a free agent, What if the Rams said, look, come and back up our boy, and chances are you're going to get a chance to start with a good team in your last year. Fancy it?
0: So that would be an interesting one for him where he stays in LA. I don't know how much of the tie to LA is actually true. Um, I think it's
1: more the fact he lives in San Diego and doesn't want to move.
0: Yeah, probably. So, well, he's got about... It's a
1: big family. It is a big
0: family. That's a lot of packing boxes, let's be honest. Um, It's... Yeah, uh possibly. I mean it's possibly a viable thing. He's not going to he's not going to knock Jared Goff out of that starting position. So he would be going there to to back up. He'd be going there to basically keep himself in the game. Uh I don't think he would choose that over staying with the Chargers. I think that would something like that would happen if the Chargers decided to move on. If they do move on, possibly. If they do move on, I would be <laughs> He could end up somewhere like Cincinnati backing up someone if Cincinnati are going to lose Andy Dalton. Um, because if they're going to go and get a, a rookie number one, they need someone experienced behind them who can sort of take them through. But same question about not moving away from San Diego. So Cincinnati is pretty far away. Yeah. Um,
1: Okay, you've now got a new job. Yes. So congratulations. You're now in charge of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, your second move is what I'm going to ask you because your first move is obviously to hire me as the radio play-by-play voice. (laughs) So once you've done that, do you sign Jameis Winston or do you not? So by passing for 450 yards, 458 yards Sunday against the Lions, that's a week after throwing for 456 against the Colts, first ever to throw more than 450 consecutive games. However, in this you know wonderful time, has 24 interceptions this season. He's not had Mike Evans for the whole season. He's second in the league in passing yards, but he just rates in the middle of the pack. What do you do? And I need an answer. Do you sign him to a new deal? Do you franchise tag him? Do you let him go?
0: I think you sign him to a new one-year prove-it deal. Um, and I think that... Arians will look at something like that. I mean, he's just... So it's 30 passing touchdowns this season, which apparently is a single-season Tampa Bay record. So do you know what? There are a lot of positives to to be said about the way that he plays. He is capable of some brilliant play, of finding his man in space and scoring high points. We've seen it for the last couple of years. He's also capable of just giving it away. And what happens is they get punished against these really good teams. So, do you know what I do is I upgrade my defense to compensate for him giving the ball away, and I tackle it by improving my defense so that if he does give the ball away, the teams are not able to punish you as much because, you know, ultimately, given the chances, he's going to score a lot of points.
1: Okay, that's an interesting one. I think, you know, because we talked about it, uh, in an earlier pod this year that the Bucks are actually eligible to change their uniforms. Yep. I think they should go to an all-white uniform, big black writing in the middle that says, I'm on your team, Jameis, throw it here. <laughs> that might be the way to go. It's interesting. He's 28 and 40 as a starter. He's never made it to the playoffs in five years. I think you're right. I think going year by year is the way to go on him. Now, Eli Manning. Final home game, 36-20 victory. However, you know, there were, he was picked off three times as well as throwing two touchdowns. Has Eli Manning done enough to babysit somebody else that gets drafted in the first round in a new situation? So, for example, if the Chargers were to get rid of Rivers, draft a high round quarterback would they sign Eli to start mentor with the idea that he probably gives away some point in the season or is Eli basically done
0: I don't think Eli will play for anyone else I think that he it looked like he was signing off at the end of that game and if he does sign off at the end of that he goes out on a high there's an opportunity for him to do that and for an opportunity for him to be applauded off the field and be remembered as Eli Manning, two-time Super Bowl winner, uh, slayer of the Patriots, um, you know, younger brother of Peyton, but equally successful when it comes to Super Bowls, even if it doesn't come to the numbers. I think that he's got that great chance to do it, and I think he takes it. I don't think he goes anywhere else. I think that uh, the time the time for him has come. Um, And he can ride off now at a point where people might even go, oh, I wish we still had Eli who could step in in this situation. And if you leave them wanting more, then you leave them exactly where you want them. So I think that's what he's going to do. You know, Mo- It'll be 39 in January. So Yeah,
1: absolutely. Monday night football booth? Uh,
0: do you know what? It'd be interesting. And I think he'd be better than uh, Booger would be. Give him the chance. But... Uh, as we've said before, I don't think year one he goes into that. I think you need to put him on a CBS crew about seven or eight and then make him work his way up. But, yeah, do you know what? After the success of Tony Romo, I think put him in there, see what he could do.
1: Yeah, I think we're seeing people bypassing the growth stage. Uh, ESPN, I think, are under pressure to get rid of the Monday night crew altogether. shout out for Jason Witten, great touchdown catch the other night. Uh, yeah. But I I just wonder if if they're just they're they're going to still be in panic mode and go for that. But yeah, I just wonder what you thought of them. I think they are three of the most compelling storylines of the week. Rivers, Winston and Manning. Your audition as a job as a general manager went very well.
0: <laughs> um the, the I've made a one mistake though. I missed a tweet earlier from somebody, so i am going to have to go back to this and um, because it's a different belter there's actually one... Uh, everyone has said Breeze, pretty much, other than one person. So Stuart Taylor, he got in touch with us. He stepped away from the obvious. His belter was Brashad Perriman, who finally showed some of that talent that made him a first-round pick, which I think is a brilliant uh, piece of you know, highlighting there. It was a great performance in a game where they didn't have Mike Evans, where they lost uh, Godwin... Prashad Perriman came up and showed what he was capable of.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, good on him. That's a good shout from Stuart. We we like we like that. If people, you know, if people think that we're missing uh, players or you know performances, particularly by their own team, we're always happy to happy to get that. Hundred uh, yeah. percent.
0: The one other thing I'm going to finish on this, and this is maybe a question we need to ask Gordon. Um, I every now and then go to Gordon with a random thing that I hypothesise and think might be a fact. You touched on this with Jameis Winston, and you touched on the uh, the fact that they can change the uniforms. You also touched on the fact that the best thing for him would be someone in complete white with black writing that says "I'm on your team." I wonder, <laughs> is Jameis Winston colorblind? <sighs>
1: Well, I and mean, I, it's interesting. I mean, Vinny Testaverde apparently had problems, a former Tampa quarterback as well. He didn't like the orange, which was part of the, the issue there. So, you know, there was an indication that he might have been colorblind. I'm not sure. I mean, because you tend to play colour against white, I mean, that's how the NFL tends to work. Colour against colour rarely, if ever, happens. But, I mean, those numbers are hideous. The jersey just looks bad. I just wonder if they might think we'll go for something new, cleaner cut, and a little bit stronger.
0: So th- th- I agree with you. And when you're talking about color there, the only thing about that that I would add is that if you're throwing to somebody who's wearing a red top on a green park or a yeah. green field, both of us, and for people that don't know this, both you and me are red, green colorblind. And it's I find it's unusual, weird scenarios that it impacts me where I don't think it will. And then other times where I think, well, this might be a problem and it actually isn't. Um, I wonder. I wonder if there's any... So I'm going to speak to Gordon and he's going to tell me to sling my hook and do it myself. I wonder if there's any correlation between how many interceptions he has when they're on the road and playing in white versus when they're not and playing in red.
1: I think it's a really good shout, a really, really interesting shout. And as I say, I'm just having a little check. So, yeah, Vinny Testaverde apparently was colourblind, so uh, <laughs> it's an interesting one. But, yeah, I think uh, so that's the kind of stat that Gordon might be able to tell. I'm wondering, I mean, Tampa should be able to figure that out. You know, if you're at home, you can choose what to wear. So it might be that we might, we might see them more often than not in white.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, so there you go. Anyway, right, that's my little pondering on that one. Um, so now we need to move on then to to week 16. Uh, And what we're going to do is we've not got as much time to record this one as usual. So um, we're going to talk through what the pick six games are uh, and we'll we'll submit our picks later on in the week. Um, But before we do that, uh, we need to go back and address something that happened uh, last week. Now, uh, I tongue in cheek put this out as a bit of a dig at our graphics guy because I incorrectly put down on the graphic that I'd picked the Titans to win uh, when actually on the podcast I picked the Texans to win and I thought the Texans would win so I don't know what I did there, I'll be (laughs) honest it it was an error so for me, scrub Titans and see Texans which resulted in me getting four right which uh, was very good Uh, Charles last week got one correct Gordon managed to get three Ian also got three Jamie finished on three and you finished on two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I went for it. I can't believe that the, the Lions were that inept and I say the Steelers threw it away from me. I've, I've got to try and go away from Jamie to try and you know close them down yeah. <laughs> it clearly didn't work um so yeah that that's just the way it goes it's still interesting if if you look at you know the pick six and, and you're trying to pick who's going to win games there were some weird ones yeah you know last week you know i mean the falcons i think had about 2% people picking the falcons over the 49ers the raiders were heavily fancied at home because of where they were uh, so you know it is quite weird there's always you know the the turn up for the books here, there, and everywhere. And, yeah, I've just been on the wrong end of too many of late.
0: Yeah. So the games that we're going to be doing this week, and, of course, we get to our Saturday night games. Um, now, I'm actually going up to Aberdeen to do a little bit of scouting for a potential event that we might do next season up there. So I'm away to uh, go and view the Saturday night games in Aberdeen. So anyone listening to this that's in the Aberdeen area that wants to join me for a beer... Message me on Twitter, at Cameron Hobbs, send me a DM, uh, and let me know if you're going to be in town. I'll let you know where I'm going. There's a few other people coming, and we're all going to catch up and and watch the game somewhere. So if you fancy coming and joining me, let me know. Um, But two of the games that we're going to pick for this week's Pick 6 are in that, as the Bills travel to the Patriots, and the Rams travel to the 49ers. And you know which way I'll be going on that one. Absolutely. So...
1: I think it's an interesting slate of games isn't it? I mean the the I mean the bucks have nothing to play for at the start but the Texans have got themselves back and you know an interesting one so you know the first game's got something about it. I think the Bills against the Patriots you know, 10-4 and four against 11-3. and three. That's a good one. Now these games are on the NFL Network in America. They will be shown on local television in the areas that they are in. But they have been moved specifically for the NFL Network. Basically the NFL trying to flog subscriptions to its own channel, which you can understand. It's, it's their games. I Just looking at Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis, who are a Fox crew, are working San Francisco against the Rams. Mike Tirico, Kurt Warner will call the Bills New England game. I think that's that's the strongest of the three: uh, Rich Eisen, Nate Burleson, and Joe Thomas. Uh, on Texans against Tampa I remain unconvinced about them but I think it's it's, it's three decent games but certainly the Bills Patriots the, the one that uh, interests me the most yeah, I yeah. know the Rams 49ers interest no, you I, most I, I just think the Bills Pats has got something about it
0: Genuinely I think this is an opportunity for the Bills to show what they're all about you know the Patriots didn't have it easy when they went to Buffalo earlier in the season uh, Patriots came away with the win this is now a chance for the Bills to show they're capable because if they're going to if they're going to do anything in the play they're likely going to have to go through uh, Foxborough at some point so this is a chance actually for them to to flip this because if they could go and win the division somehow uh, then it might be the other way around so massive massive game I agree I think it's three really good games I'm glad they've picked these ones and brought them forward Uh, the Buccaneers like you say nothing to play for but Jameis Winston's playing for his career Uh, so you know there's something to be played for then The other games that we're going to take out of this as well to add to the pick six, uh, a couple of Baufen Bulls, as the Bengals are at the Dolphins and the Giants are at the Redskins.
1: I mean, they're, they're horrible to call without absolutely any doubt. But you're at that stage. I mean, you, you also could have gone with the Raiders' Chargers as a potential and bow Bowl again, Lions-Broncos. You know, it's just that stage of the season where the games are spread out. You're getting teams are losing records, hitting each other, the Jags and the Falcons, you know, going head-to-head, Panthers-Colts and a similar one. You know, Steelers-Jets is an interesting game because the Steelers, with that loss, really need to, to win that one. The more interesting games, though, how interesting would the Chiefs-Bears have been if the Bears had managed to get that final lateral away?
0: (laughs) Yeah, indeed.
1: (laughs) Now, we didn't touch upon that. We should have done it because it was a great play. It was well thought out. Trubisky, you know, with the short one, you know, the Packers had gone back waiting for the Hail Mary and they nearly worked it in. And arguably, Cameron, arguably actually should have done the The Cowboys-Eagles is the sort of main game at 9.25 on Sunday. That's a good game simply because it means a lot. They're not two great teams at the moment. You just don't know what you're going to get from them. Uh, And I think that's the problem. But unbelievably, the best game for me of the weekend... Is on Monday night, and Monday night football have got a history of picking bad games in December, but the Packers at Vikings, 11-3, and 10-4, you know, it's all about seeding, it's all about home field advantage. I think that's going to be a cracker.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Packers currently projected to be the number two seed in the playoffs, the Vikings the sixth seed coming into this, so this is an opportunity for the Vikings to upset things, uh, and a push from them. I think it's a great game. I agree with yeah. you completely. And, you know, the last two games that will complete our pick six are that Cowboys at Eagles and the Packers at the Vikings because I think they're going to be tough to call. Uh, you know, both teams playing particularly well at the moment. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, it's there's so much up for stake and it's so important when it gets to this time of the year to carry the momentum to show that you can beat these teams that you're likely then to play uh, or potentially meet in the postseason. But also, if you can possibly get that home field advantage and do something to secure that, that's absolutely huge. You know, it's amazing. The Seahawks at the moment are now projected number one seed. And the NFC, if the Seahawks are at home, that's a huge advantage for them. Absolutely massive. Similarly for the Saints. You know, at the moment, you've got the Seahawks, the Packers, and the Saints And the Niners, all on 11 and 3. Any single one of those could get home field advantage all the way through. Now, when it comes to the AFC, it looks as though it'll be the Ravens, to be honest. Maybe the Patriots. Other than that, you're struggling. I don't think anyone else is going to do enough to secure that. Actually, I don't think anybody can. But, um, you know, the, the home field advantage competition it means it extends even beyond the game itself it's got implications for so many other teams so i think that's a really fascinating game i think it's really yeah. really fascinating uh, and it, it in a way it's a shame that it's on on the monday night although there'll be a lot of people off work um who'll be able to sit up and enjoy it
1: i'm certainly planning to so that i think will uh, be a really good game so there's, there's lots of good stuff On week 16. But Cameron, I I know you're going to be off on holiday soon. You're going to be, you know, just having moved house, you've got nothing to do. Um, So you, you, yeah, absolutely nothing. Can I give you a podcast recommendation? Of course you can. Now, the podcast came to me from... Colin Greger, whom I work with on rugby. And Colin said, have you heard the Boston Globe series by their spotlight team called Gladiator, the Aaron Hernandez story, which is a six part uh, look at the career, the life and times basically of Aaron Hernandez, who was a tight end with the Florida Gators, got drafted by his hometown, New England Patriots, spiralled way out of control, got a massive contract and ended up basically in prison for murder, not just one murder, uh, potentially three. And then, sadly, uh, he killed himself in prison. What a morbidly fascinating podcast this is. Spotlight basically went in looking at to say, could anything have been done by people to actually help Aaron Hernandez better. Now, it's interesting, we draw the parallel with Josh Gordon, who's obviously not got the same problems. He's got a substance abuse issue, who seems to be getting all the support in the world. Aaron Hernandez was basically, you know, running with with his gang buddies from back in New England when he went back there. He seemed just to be out of control. He had issues with weapons, you know. Did the Patriots overlook it? You know, did Urban Meyer and the Gators overlook it? Did his agent overlook it? Sports writers think they could have, you know, highlighted his gang connections and brought that out into light and that might have changed it. But I would highly recommend it to you and everybody listening if you're looking for something. It's the darker side of the NFL. Now in my defense to the likes of the Patriots organization who pretty quickly disowned them, you know, you're dealing with fifty-five players and a practice squad. It's not like a basketball team where you've got eight to ten guys that you'd be looking after. You know, there's a lot of looking after. It's a big organization, but I think it's just a fascinating insight into football.
0: Yeah, great. Always looking out for a good podcast recommendation. So do if you've if you've um, listened to that one already, let us know your thoughts. Um, if you've not, one for you to listen to over the, the winter. Uh, and it is interesting to hear when these things are sort of picked apart. There so often is missed opportunities and things like that. And it's hard to finger point because in the in the moment, things that seem so obvious afterwards don't necessarily seem obvious at the time. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely one that I'll be checking out. Um, any other news items then before we go up? I think one thing that we need to mention is Terrell Suggs being picked up by the Kansas City Chiefs uh, off of waiver wires. So there was a bit of chat where he had said that he only wanted to play for the Ravens. Apparently, the Ravens did not put a waiver claim in for him. Four teams did. Those teams were the New Orleans Saints, the San Francisco 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs had the worst record and they were rewarded the linebacker. Uh, It means that Terrell Suggs may get the opportunity to go and hunt down Tom Brady in the postseason, something that he's quite enjoyed doing in the past.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good pickup. I mean, you see the teams that were interested in him; they are top quality teams. They're all looking to try and make something happen. Uh, so I think that that's a good one. So yeah, I, I certainly was very interested to see that that's where he landed. I'm not surprised. I think they needed help there possibly it's just as much as the saints did so i wasn't particularly surprised that that's that that's where he went so it's 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 yeah it's interesting now we you know we talked a little bit about where things are going to go um it's interesting, you know, that the Redskins and the Giants play this week. It's arguably neither want to win because it's going to harm your your standing. Uh, interesting also to see uh, Karim Jackson suspended for two games from a DUI earlier in the season. And that the Lions have said that Matt Patricia will return. So
0: I so think it's, it's an interesting one with Patricia. There's been some positive signs out of the Lions that I think they've been a really frustrating team. Um, and another one where injuries have definitely had their part to play. You know, obviously they've been without Stafford who actually had been playing quite well. And when you look at their stats over the season, I genuinely still think they're one of those teams that you like. They're better than the numbers show. They've got more about them. So I think that they give him another chance. I think if he has another season like that, he won't see a, second se- a third season. I don't think there's any way. Um, and I think that there's worse uh, head coaches in the general area just across the lake over in Cleveland (laughs) that are perhaps taking the attention away from how bad he is as well. So, you know, it's sometimes uh, better the devil you know than to be stuck with somebody else that's a bigger claim. Um But yeah, there you go. There you
1: but for but for the Lions, and you mentioned it, that there was a great uh, tweet earlier on this week showing, I think, their last eight coaches and the records that they'd had. And Jim Caldwell, I think, was the only one above 500 that had taken them to the playoffs, yet they got tired and bored with him and moved on. Sometimes you've got to be very careful when you've actually got somebody doing a pretty decent, steady job. You've got to be careful... In your next appointments because some of their appointments have not been great
0: no indeed indeed but, and that's it you know they at the moment they've they they've the third worst record in the nfc purely because they've got that tie you know they're ahead of the giants and the redskins because of a tie uh and we were questioning while well, the redskins have moved away from their head coach you wonder whether uh, Shermer's time is up in New York as well, so you know they stick with Patricia. They've shown some loyalty. Let's hope he can get his finger out and, and change things there. Um, but certainly, you know they're on a losing streak of seven games. The the Matt Stafford loss is definitely a big part of that. But uh, yeah interesting times ahead anyway that concludes things for episode 79 and we hope you've enjoyed listening again we'd love to hear your feedback good and bad make sure that you follow us on twitter at scotland nfl and on facebook www.facebook.com forward slash scotland nfl
1: Love to get your thoughts on the podcast. We love to get your reviews as our download numbers continue to go up each and every week. We reached out and said, let
0: us know what you want us to talk about.
1: A couple of people
0: have already done that. We are going to build up on those and we'll start discussing them uh, once the season's done. Uh, but, you know, while you're watching, keep 16, do keep an eye out though for the nominations. We've still got two more weeks at least of weekly awards and we usually carry them through the playoffs as well. We love reading them. Uh, make sure that you keep telling us your belt your Bowfin and your Ballbag nominations
1: and don't forget to join us again next week when the playoff picture will be a little clearer and teams can play themselves into or out of better draft picks great weekend of football action ahead enjoy the triple header on Saturday enjoy the action on Sunday and until we're back with you next week bye for now